When Carly was in grade seven, her teacher gave the class an assignment. Make a list of places in Canada, outside British Columbia, that you'd like to visit. If I could visit five places in Canada outside of BC, my first choice would be Victoria. (laughs) Victoria, for the record, is the capital city of British Columbia. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? Very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Vancouver, we have a pun-filled geography essay, a princess and a taco, a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Do we have fans in the room of television and movie star Leonardo DiCaprio? Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Our next reader is Carol, and Carol is going to share a diary entry that she wrote at 11 years old. It is a diary entry all about her crush on Leonardo DiCaprio... Specifically, the Leonardo DiCaprio we saw in the major motion picture, Titanic. Please welcome Carol to our stage. A quick heads up, Carol uses some cuss words in her diary, which we do not bleep. She also acknowledges the existence of sex. There's your heads up. Here's Carol. April 25th. Dear Diary, Hey, I saw Titanic again on the big screen today with Kim and her bro. Swoon City. (laughs) My fave parts are dancing in third-class passenger quarters with Leo, kissing Leo at the bow, passionately, I might add, and best of all, making love to him in an old-fashioned car. (laughs) It's kind of dumb. To be honest, the first time I saw Titanic was the best. I was totally turned on when Rose and Jack made love. Now I was expecting it, so I wasn't turned on as much. It was almost like biting into an orange with all the juices sucked out of it. (laughs) I I just need to see one of his new movies, I guess. No matter what I do, I can't seem to, well, get turned on. The movie just wasn't as magical the second and third time. Well, I have to go. I'll probably write about my other problems and insecurities next time. (laughs) Which will probably be after my trip to Vancouver. Here's an outline. I want a boyfriend. Sometimes I think I'm a lesbian. My period is freaky. I can't picture having sex. Not even with Leonardo. And I don't think I like Katrina anymore. Okay, bye. I'm missing Apollo 13. (laughs) Okay, and this is from May 6th. Dear Diary, hi. It's hot. It's only the beginning of May, and it feels like mid-July. To get on with it, 
Our Vancouver trip was cool. Staying in a hotel room was the best. The worst must have been seeing all the couples in grade 7 holding hands. The best and the worst, I guess. It was good because it was kind of funny. It was bad because the guy I like now has a girlfriend. I was sure he liked me, and I thought he knew that I liked him too. I'm not even going to tell you what his name is because it's really dumb. <laughs> in code, it's 14 5 13 13. <laughs> and his last name, 7 12 10 11. I guess I like him because he's not a really like he's not a real snob like most boys. He's good friends with my mom, for instance. <laughs> I can't believe that. All we talked about in the hotel was boys. I tried so hard to tell my friends that I like M five thirteen thirteen. I'm giving you one letter at a time, but I couldn't. So it stays with me till maybe Friday night when Bree, Melissa, and I have a sleepover. The last time I wrote, I was convinced I was a lesbian. I don't think that's so true now. <laughs> I still can't see myself doing the deed with anyone. I suppose it's good I'm not a horn dog, though. <laughs> still, a boyfriend would suit me fine. No one particularly in mind since M.A. 1313 <laughs> has a girlfriend. I just gave you another letter. Can you guess yet? Who would want a girl who's fat and has ugly glasses and buck teeth and pimples all over the place and a bad fashion sense and not an athletic bone in her body and has a freaky period anyways? What a shitty world. <laughs> I also sort of like Kyle. He's just short, but he's sort of nice. Oh, poo. I'm stuck so far into an asshole of a rut that it seems impossible to pull myself out. I'm freaked about grade 8 and not being normal. Normal period, boyfriend, cool threads, vocab, etc., etc. <laughs> I'm just the fat, nerdy kid. I guess there's not really anything else to say, except I don't think I like Leonardo DiCaprio anymore for some weird reason. <laughs> right later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Our next reader is Alan, and Alan is going to share a piece of writing that he did in grade five or so. This was a school assignment, and it's a short story. The focus of the short story is geography, and it is titled, Canada is Canadian. Do I have that right? Please welcome... <laughs> Alan to the Grown Ups Three Things They Wrote as Kids stage. Canada is an exceedingly large country and very diversified in nature. There are three territories and ten provinces. The provinces are separated into the prairie provinces, the maritime provinces, and the rest of the provinces. <laughs> Canada is a safe country because Santa Claus in the North Pole can protect us from terrorists. We have the U.S. to the south 
the Loch Ness Monster to the east, (laughs) and the ocean with fishies to the west. Fishies are our friends. We are also a diversified country because there are fertile places where pineapples and coconuts grow. Prairies where mad cows run free. And the badlands where the cowboys live. In the north, we have mining where people always say, mine. In the southern part of Ontario, one finds the great cakes. They are very yummy, and when eaten with a Coke, they are a treat. The oceans on both sides of us are unique because they are blue, deep, and have waves. A main thing in Canada is my school, where children are tortured and threatened with the electric chair if they refuse to learn grammar. It is situated in Edmonton, Alberta, and is the communist center for all of Canada. (laughs) The maritime provinces are fortunate because everyone has a merry time. Now I will give you a tour of Canada. In BC, you learn ABCs. In Alberta, you are forced to bow to Ralph Klein's will. In Saskatchewan, the Sasquatch beats people up. In Manitoba, men play tubas. In on stereo, people keep their stereos on. In Quebec, you learn French. In Nanavito, people have vetoed nannies. NWT is known as the New World of Terror. In QCon, people like cucumbers. PEI is known as the primary eating industry. Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland are so new that they're not yet available in stores. In short, USA is American and Canada is Canadian. Alan warned me before the show that his reading contained puns. I was not prepared for that level. Our next reader, Emily, shared a few different pieces of writing. And before I play you Emily's reading, I should let you know about something called hit clips. Now, if you don't know what hit clips are, don't worry. I didn't either. A hit clip is a toy that played short clips of Britney Spears and NSYNC songs on demand. So you could hit a button and it would play a a sound clip. Okay, so our next reader, Emily, is going to share two letters that she wrote. One of them is written to the Easter Bunny, and it's related to a hit clip. We're also going to hear a letter written to Santa Claus. And after the letters, we're also going to hear a short story that Emily wrote in third grade entitled 
the princess and the taco. Please welcome Emily to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote as Kids stage. A quick heads up, Emily does not reveal any of Santa's secrets in her letter, but she does acknowledge some skepticism. So the first letter is to the Easter Bunny. Dear Easter Bunny, I have lost my hit clips. And I was wondering if you have seen my hit clips. And I was wondering if you could get me some hit clips. I'm not trying to be rude, but I really miss my hit clips. Love, Emily. P.S. I hope you can come and I get some hit clips. Now, I have, I have some questions for the Easter Bunny that I wrote as well. Questions. Where do you live? Have you met Santa? Will I get some hit clips? <laughs> How makes the eggs? <laughs> do you have elves? Have you seen Lexi's Diva Star shirt? And that's the letter. So this next one is to Santa. Um, it's a Valentine's Day letter. Um, Dear Santa, I know you probably don't get letters at this time of year, and I know you are very busy, and you were probably just in the middle of something. And if you were, I am very sorry to interrupt you. But I have something very important to tell you. You probably know that how people get older, they start to stop believing in you, and people like the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. Speaking of teeth, I just lost two last month. But I happen to be one of those people. And I'm very sorry to tell you this, but it's just one of those things. People get older, they stop believing in things. I am very sorry to say that I'm starting to not believe in you. And I'm sorry to get your hopes down. But the good thing is, I may not believe in you on the outside, but on the inside, I will always believe in you. But if I don't believe in you on the inside, then in my heart, I will always, no matter what, believe in you. And this is probably the last time you hear from me. I'm sorry. Anyway, I hope you and Mrs. Claus are good, and I hope <laughs> and I hope you get Mrs. Claus something nice on Monday for Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, love, Emily. The next story: The Princess and the Taco. Long, long ago, in a wet pond. In a dark forest, there lived a princess, king, and a queen. One day, the king was looking for a princess who found a taco, who had a taco, excuse me. So if they found a princess, they would put a taco under 20 mattresses and 20 quilts. <laughs> One night, when the king and queen went to the Mexican restaurant, <laughs> then the king saw a stranger that had a taco. So, the king was not sure that she was a princess. So he asked her to come to his castle in the forest. <laughs> when they got there, the king snuck and put a taco under 20 mattresses and 20 quilts. Then the taco broke. 
<laughs> and she felt lots of taco pieces. In the morning, the king asked her, Did you sleep well? No, she said. And the king was so joyful that they got married. The end. Thank you. Emily wasn't the only reader at our Vancouver show to bring a short piece of fiction. Our next reader, Nevada, brought a short story she wrote in middle school. And though it is technically a work of fiction, the protagonist in Nevada's story bears a striking resemblance to Nevada herself. You might even say this was inspired by a true story. Live on stage in Vancouver, here's Nevada. Once upon a time, there was a girl. She had golden copper hair and delicate, freckled skin. There was a boy, too, with dark raven hair and piercing blue eyes. They smiled at each other and talked about things in the halls when they passed. First, it was just friendly, and then it was more. For her, at least. She she didn't know how he felt. One day, he would be so nice, and then the next, it was like she didn't exist. It kept going this way. He would flirt with her and then flirt with somebody else. All year, didn't he know? She couldn't look at him in the eyes anymore. When he smiled at her, she could feel herself blushing. If she sat behind him in class, she would watch his broad shoulders, manly and protective. (laughs) She would watch the way his muscles moved when he raised his hand. He... He was soft and caring, not like the other boys who were loud and obnoxious and, and zitty. He was confident, confident and proud as he sauntered down the halls, smiling at the girl and making her laugh. In the mornings, she started using two squirts of perfume and then started spending a little longer lining her eyes and a little longer brushing her golden hair. She wondered if he spent just that much longer putting on his clothes and that much longer brushing his raven dark hair. She hoped he did. And then one day she realized, why the hell do I like this geek? He's a complete zero in a world of tens. And that was that. Did anyone in the room ever keep an online blog or journal or a live journal or a dead journal or any kind of online publication from the early days of the internet? Good. So did our next reader, Ev. Ev is going to share a piece they wrote and posted online to their domain at freewebs.com. The online publication was entitled Misery Magazine. Do I have that right? And this piece in particular is called Success in Failure, reading from Misery Magazine on freewebs.com. Please welcome Ev to the Grown Up Street Thinks They Wrote as Kids stage. If at first you don't succeed, you fail. But by failing, you are therefore succeeding at failing, 
which means that you are succeeding, meaning that you're not failing. Now, to an experienced loser such as myself, failure has become a distinct art form in itself. To properly fail, you must first succeed, because failure without success is simply failure, and therefore success at failure, and therefore success. <laughs> to perform a proper failure is to fail at even failing, and therefore succeed. Now, now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but oh, grand and exalted author, if, if we were to fail at failure, wouldn't we be succeeding? And that is where you would be right. But since we're trying to fail, you fail. I despise you because you're a winner. Failing at failure while still failing to succeed is a truly great task, which is only achievable through great malpractice and lack of discipline. I love the source. <laughs> but since I'm so nice, I'm going to share my wisdom with you. First, never give up. This is a common misconception with failure. Just because you give up doesn't mean you fail. In fact, it means the exact opposite. If you give up, then you allow someone else to step in and complete the task. Therefore, you may be succeeding in your failure for a time, but it's still eventually a success, meaning that you would fail to succeed at failure. <laughs> you must continue to succeed, barely making your quota, doing just enough to get by, and making perfectly sure that no one else can make you fail. Second, <laughs> never try. <laughs> this should clear up some questions. <laughs> Just because you're doing something doesn't mean you should try to do it. You should simply do it so that you would not be trying to succeed and therefore will not. Third, never surrender. No matter how hard people try to help you succeed, do not let them! That's all in caps. They may trigger your mind to think about success, which may lead you to success, which leads to failure at failing to succeed, which leads to failing at succeeding to fail at succeeding. Truly sad. And lastly, never succeed. Without succeeding, the only possible route for you, your life to take is failure, which leads to success, which leads to failure, which leads to success, which leads to failure, which leads to success, and so on. With your mind stuck in this eternal paradox, there is no possible way for you to function at all, making it impossible to succeed or fail. By taking away both options, we grant ourselves the freedom to create our own universe around ourselves, engulfing our bodies and minds in the great chasms of paradoxium, the true land of insanity. <laughs> insanity is the only true way away from success or failure, meaning that your physical and mental selves will be useless to others. With no obvious use, you will drift into paradoxium with ease and finally discover the true meaning of failure, which is, of course, to succeed. <laughs> the true meaning of failure is such that no mortal or immortal, man or woman, dog or sheep will ever fully grasp it. Except for me, of course. But if I could ever put it to you in simple terms, it would be this. When you have no consciousness of what can be right and successful, then you will succeed. And when you have no consciousness of what is wrong and failing, you will fail. But until you have both of these qualities together, you can never be whole. But no matter what, always remember, if at first you don't succeed, you fail. Thank you. If 
you would like to book Ev as a motivational speaker for your junior high school, please see them at the break. Summer is a popular time for road trips and cottaging and spending time with family. When Polly was 13, she and her family went to a cottage, and she chronicled the entire experience. Spoiler alert, she did not exactly enjoy herself. Please welcome Polly to our stage. A quick heads up, Polly uses some cuss words, which we do not bleep. Um, So this was day one of my cottage adventure, which I scratched out, and it says in German. (laughs) 2.15 p.m., So we just got to the cottage after about two hours and a half of driving around aimlessly because dad had no clue as to where he was going. I kind of got excited when seeing all the beautiful cottages by the lake as we got closer to our destination. Dad finally pulls up to a cottage saying we're finally there. My first impression? This is going to be shit. (laughs) It's ugly on the outside and guess what? It's ugly on the inside too. We are in the middle of a town of cottages, so there goes our privacy. There are three bedrooms for two families with the tiniest beds I have ever seen. Great. Not only do I have to sleep with my brother, I have to listen to his every snore, every breath, endure his every move ten times closer. This is going to be hell. Oh, and get this. The bathrooms have paper doors you can see through. (laughs) The only entertainment around here is going to be hearing and watching people take shits. (laughs) Just what I've always wanted to see. All right, so I'm going to go explore some more, dot, 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 like I'm going to see anything. Tune in until next time. 8.25 p.m. So much for exploring. There was nothing to explore. There is absolutely nothing to do here. I can't even go to the beach, if that's what you want to even call it, and tan without having all the old people stare me down. Everyone knows around here, so we're the new folks that everyone has been talking about all day. (laughs) Fuck, I hate it here. I have no idea how I'm going to be able to endure these seven days. I have literally just been sitting in this little claustrophobic cottage all day staring into space. Oh, wait. I did do something. (laughs) I went on a walk, which led me to nowhere. (laughs) Day two, I smell lameness. 9.25 a.m., awaken at 7.15 for no good reason is definitely not a good start to the day. I am already in a bad mood, and I officially hate it here. 7.35 p.m., the parents know this cottage is crap, so in hopes of cheering us up, they took us to the Montebello Castle. The assholes over there didn't let us in. We drove an hour and a half for no reason to top it off. The heat is deadly. I don't think there's been a moment where I haven't been drenched in sweat. Once we came back, I slept for two hours out of sheer boredom. There's absolutely nothing to do here. Only five more days. Day three at 10 p.m., we have found a new form of entertainment, flushing the toilet while someone is taking a shower. The fun in it? Hearing the person screaming how hot the water is that burned them. (laughs) Day four took a bit of a turn. We decided to go to the Tromblon village, and I said it was so amazingly fun. Tons of attractions. Went down the Luzhing Hill. 
I ended off this entry saying, it was an amazing day. Notice how it wasn't spent at the dumb cottage? (laughs) Thanks. Our next reader also shared some writing about traveling with family. When Sarah was 13, she went on a trip to Hawaii. And as a way to remember the entire experience, she kept a travel diary. Please welcome Sarah to our stage. March 11th, 2008. Aloha. Welcome to Sarah's Hawaii travel diary. We... (laughs) We may not actually be in Honolulu yet, but we are on the plane. I've got the window seat beside Dad, who happens to be donning a tacky Hawaiian shirt and an Indiana Jones-style hat. In the airport, he was wearing a red polar fleece sweater and had a striking resemblance to a Mountie. (laughs) Moving on, we are waiting for the plane to take off. Mom and Haley are across the aisle. Haley's birthday is going to be in Hawaii, but I have no idea what to get her since every time I ask, she responds with, meh. Teenagers. (laughs) My leg is doing that weird twitchy thing it does when I can't sit still. I guess it means I'm excited, but it could be the side effect of that double chocolate cookie, the ginger ale, and those two bags of yum-yum potato chips. (laughs) I ate in the fancy airport lounge. Also, I just had a minor crisis. I was rifling through my purse slash bag from garage, open bracket, free with the purchase of $60 or more. (laughs) Close bracket. (laughs) When about five books fell out, plus my orange Tic Tacs. (laughs) The plane was about to lift off, but I managed to cram everything back in before we took flight. No biggie. (laughs) Oops, gotta go. The flight's taking off. Ta-ta for now, Sarah. And the rest of the diary's entries were in bullet point form and described our Hawaiian cruise, so I'll read some highlights below. March 12th. The day before the cruise, we stayed on the beach. Elizabeth and Matt's hotel was gorgeous. Ours, not so much. (laughs) March 15th. Ship days are kind of boring. I hung around the pool all day. Dad won the cruise's Mr. Sexy Legs competition. (laughs) He he has to wear his sash for 24 hours. (laughs) And if someone catches him not wearing it, he has to buy them a drink. (laughs) Also, I came up with a song today. Uh, So I was really into Weird Al Yankovic at the time. So... (laughs) I think this was my attempt at a parody of What Hurts the Most by Rascal Flatts. What I want the most is a piece of toast. I could show you who I am if only we weren't out of jam. And finally, March 19th. It's Haley's birthday, sweet 15. We have lunch, open bracket, cheeseburger for me, close bracket. I give her a towel. She didn't say meh, so I think she liked it. Thank you. (laughs) 
What I love about Sarah's diary entries is how vividly they capture the stunning natural beauty of Hawaii. Vancouver, that has been Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Huge round of applause for all of our readers tonight. So, so, so good. Thank you to you for coming to listen. Thank you to Caden for doing sound tonight. Thank you to everybody here at the York Theater. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around, say hello, get home safe, then dig up your own kid writing. We'll see you soon, Vancouver. Good night. like biting into an orange with all the juices sucked out of it. (laughs) 